Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you this day, Lord, for sending your Spirit to make that good deposit of faith within us. Lord, as your Son calls us to action and your Spirit equips us, we would ask this day that you break your words small, fit for our consumption. And we pray this. Amen. As I shared last week, last Sunday began a new series for us called Engaged. And engaged in the sense of we are in the midst of a battle. In the way that we would engage an enemy. Last week in our reading, the Apostle Paul reminds Timothy to fight the good fight of faith. And as we laid that foundation, the good fight that we are engaged in is against the subtleties of our enemy. And those subtleties are what make the enemy dangerous. Similar to that of a frog in a kettle entering into the water when the water is cool and comfortable and before he knows it, he has been boiled alive. If you have brought your Bible along with you or if perhaps you picked this up later on on the podcast as you listen online, I invite you to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1. It's almost easy to forget that we are talking about two different books of the Bible here, two different letters to this young pastor from his spiritual father in the faith. And as Paul writes to Timothy this day, there is a clear recognition that Timothy is not alone. And that, in fact, he has fellow battle buddies that are engaged in this conflict with him. He reminds Timothy of the legacy of faith that was passed down from his mother, from his grandmother to his mother, and now to him. And Paul himself, as he writes this day, he reminds Timothy and says, I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors. In other words, he is not the first. This is not something new. But see, within the realm of conflict and engagement, conflict always involves at least two parties. And likewise, 
we should not, and in fact cannot, enter into the battle on our own. We need our battle buddies beside us in the conflict. See, for this reason, God creates Adam and sees it is not good for him to be alone and creates Eve to be his helpmate beside him. And then, rather than just telling Noah, hey, by the way, I'm going to flood the entire earth and I'm going to kill everybody in it except for you, He says, Noah, you and your family will be saved. If you need New Testament examples, he calls the 12 disciples, and then when he sends them out, he commissions them out two at a time. And then we see the commissioning of the 72 disciples, and they go out two at a time. And then Paul himself always had someone that traveled with him, whether it was Barnabas or Silas or Timothy. And that even though there is a geographic distance between where Paul rests and Timothy is receiving the letter, they are still bound together in the conflict. And more than that, Paul reminds Timothy of God's presence in the middle of the battle, too. As he begins and says, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus, our Lord. When we had to do the interview for Concordia Plan Services, I sat and I watched them interview Nikki, and I thought, man, they started off easy with her. And what's your name? She knocked that one out of the park. <laughs> and they got a little bit harder as they went. And then when it was my turn, I'm like, this is great. You know, he's going to ask me what my name is. I know that answer. But instead, we sit down, and the very first question he asks is, how do you not lose your faith in the middle of something hard? Wow! Way to dip into the water with this one. And the answer to that question is that sometimes on your own, you can't. If it was us all by ourselves and we tend to isolate ourselves in conflict, faith feels like we're grasping at the wind, trying to find hope in something that we cannot see that we want to trust, and yet we still have to wait to see God work through it. You see, even though there is distance between Paul and Timothy, 
Paul is able to reach out through ink and paper and put his arm around Timothy and remind him that he is not alone. And that, in fact, that not only does Paul gather around him in the present, but so do all of those saints who have preceded him in faith. You see, in Paul's statement that he serves God as his ancestors did, he is reminding Timothy that this is the same Yahweh God of the Old Testament. The same God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The same God who speaks into the darkness and creates something out of nothing and brings order to chaos. That the God that Paul serves then is the same as the one that they served way back when and for us is the same that we serve today. Not only past, but now present legacy of ministry and faithfulness in the gospel. For this reason, God calls us to fan and fuel these flames. That the good news would spread like fire. You see, fire doesn't discriminate against who owns what property. It doesn't discriminate against where it spreads. It just goes and it consumes everything in its path. But so does grace. You think your life is messed up. You think you've dug yourself a hole deep enough that you need a backhoe and a crane to get yourself out of, and God comes in and he just dips his finger in and pulls you out. And as we've said in the past, he looks at you and he says, watch this. In other words, we within and as the body of Christ have no reason to be afraid. We are driven on with faith as our master and Christ behind the reins. He tells Timothy, we were given a spirit of power and of love and of self-control. And the way that we translate it today in our reading, it says, not a spirit of fear. But the way that this is used in the Greek, it's a different kind of fear. And the word is actually cowardice. 
God does not give you a spirit of cowardice. Instead, he gives you one of power and of love and of self-control. In the second act of William Shakespeare's Julius Caesar, Caesar speaks and he says, Cowards die many times before their deaths. The valiant never taste death but once. You see, we sell our soul in cowardice. And Paul's reminder to Timothy of this power given by God comes through an invitation to enter into suffering. And while that seems contrary and backwards, so does the gospel. He says, don't shy away from the discomfort. Don't be bashful about how it makes you squeamish and makes you want to run. Instead, enter in for the sake of the gospel. Not so that we can feel this weight of penance for all the things that we have done, but rather because death has been abolished. And life and immortality have been brought to light through the gospel. You see, Paul speaks and he says, This is why I was appointed an apostle and a preacher and a teacher. Because if there was ever an example of a guy that God should have said, to hell with you, it would have been the Apostle Paul. But instead, he chooses to make Paul a powerful voice for his words. This good deposit, life in the gospel is entrusted to us but it is guided and guarded by God Himself. And this isn't just Paul speaking to Timothy and helping fill his head and puff up his heart because he says this elsewhere as he writes to the church in Rome, in the Roman Christians, and he says, For I am convinced that neither life nor death nor angels nor demons neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, the beautiful thing about gathering together within the body is that we have this built-in accountability. 
And this isn't just the body within these walls, but rather the church at large. Anyone who professes to be a Christian and says that they follow Jesus, they are our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we are bound to them and they to us. But see, when we have been given this spirit of power, then we also have a great opportunity as well. Albert Einstein, in tribute to Pablo Casals, wrote of him and said, the world is in greater peril from those who tolerate or encourage evil than from those who actually commit it. You see, Pablo Casals was a man who was a musician. He was a composer. And as he was internationally renowned, he spoke out as a Spaniard, as a Catalonian, against the Franco regime that was allied with Adolf Hitler and the Italian fascists. And as he lived the rest of his life in exile and actually said, I cannot stay silent about this for the sake of my neighbor. And using the platform that he had been given as a musician. He spoke out against it at any and every opportunity. See, we've been given a spirit of power and not one of cowardice. A spirit of love and of self-control. But it's not for our sake, it's for the sake of the gospel, and it's for the sake of seeing that good news shared with all. Through word and through deed. So I would ask you, what will you do without a spirit of cowardice and rather in a spirit of love and power and self-control. See, we're called to take this journey with Jesus together. Not alone, but as battle buddies that are bound together in the same struggle. So as you go about your week, and as the Word of God finds you in unexpected places, you are not alone. You have and you are battle buddies. You have been given a spirit of power, love, and self-control, not one of cowardice, to be bold for the sake of the gospel. And you have been given the good deposit of faith in you that is guarded by Christ himself. So that in all things and in all ways, God always gets the glory, now and forevermore. Amen.